Hi, this is the Organizational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organizational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organizational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Okay, welcome back. Today we're talking to Grant Val Ulbricht, who's the Global Director, Sales Transformation with Royal Caribbean. He's also one of our members. Um, now, Grant recently completed some research at Middlesex University looking at a new personal change model called Scared So What? I say a model, like actually it's a pair of interlinked models. Um, the models were recently published in the International Journal of Sales Transformation and um, Change Management Review. So welcome, Grant. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. I really appreciate the invitation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to be able to talk to you about the model. Um, do you just want to give us a little bit of background and kind of context about you, your role, and what kind of led up to the development of these models? Absolutely. You know, um, I never really uh, sought out that I would actually go and create a new personal change model. That wasn't uh, uh, the role that I was looking to do. But I'm a global sales leader for a, a major cruise brand at Royal Caribbean Group. Um, and I've been working on the cruise industry for about 20 years um, and in the sales profession from the cruise industry and then before that in property management. Um, and I also was in the military before. So a lot of uh, a lot of life at sea, uh, a lot of life at, at selling and, and sales. Um, but it wasn't until recently, uh, the, just three years ago, I was asked to come over to Europe and help build out the way of selling for our company, you know, and we're a pretty large corporation. We have just about 80,000 uh, employees worldwide. Uh, we're one of the largest main brands uh, in the cruise industry and hospitality industry. But it's interesting that in 50 plus years, we've never had a sales manual. So I was asked to create what that would look like. And in doing so, when I, when I moved from Miami to Spain, um, my executive coach that was assigned to me was also a member of academia, uh, Mr. Brian Tilley of The Lease Solution, and he was associated with Consalia. And he said, Grant, there's a brand new sales master's program that has about 100 graduates so far from Middlesex University. Um, it's an MSc and it's leading sales transformation. I think you should go on this journey before you start writing and creating any type of a sales manual. And so I did. Uh, my boss uh, was very uh, eager to, let's look at the sales science and the sales psychology, and let's do something different you know, that hasn't been done before. And it was in the master's program that really introduced me, how do you lead salespeople through change? Um, and how do you transform, you know, your entities and your corporation and your sales platform? And that's where it was born. Um, so it, it wasn't something I was looking to do. But, um, you know, at 48, 47, 48, I thought, OK, I'll go back to school. Um, and since then, I'm actually now a doctoral candidate with Middlesex University as well. I'm carrying it forward. Cool. Great. I'm, I'm interested, actually, you know, kind of sales and change. What what's the relationship there? Because it wasn't something that I immediately, you know, when I think about sales and I think about yeah. change, I don't actually put the two together normally. 
Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. If you look at, you know, what the role is, there's, there's three master's programs from Consalia and Middlesex on sales. But the, the top one is leading sales transformation. How do you bring the sales science and the sales psychology into the profession of sales? Now, that's something new. And in order to do that, that involves a heavy amount of change and a heavy amount of change lifting. So module four of the sales masters was learning about change. And what does it mean? How do you become a change facilitator? How do you take your sales force in our in our situation on the journey of change and adopting? Because if you think about it, until now, sales has never been professionalized. You could go and get your degree in HR, um, IT, um, accounting, finance. Um, but in the United States and mostly around the rest of the world, if you wanted to get a degree in sales, um, you're probably going to get an MBA, which is just a generic uh, business uh, degree. Very valid, but it doesn't focus on any one speciality. So it, it's pioneering if you think about it. And salespeople, you know, we've learned our skill sets just along the way from they've been handed to us but we've never really been professionalized like the other professions until now. Oh, yeah. And I, I suppose with, with digital transformation, there's a huge shift. There must be a huge shift, I'm assuming, in in the sales landscape that they're having, that salespeople are having to deal with. Is that, am I on the right? Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and fortunately, the master's program prepared me uh, on the change management side to be able to lead that, to see it, number one, and yeah. uh, through COVID-19, and then to lead that. So, you know, I'm getting ahead of ourselves uh, in the conversation, but, you know, as part of the master's program, um, instead of creating a sales manual, we created a digital sales academy. And we focused on uh, this new sales academy to say, how do the sales members function in their roles across sales platforms? And so we built out all of the instructions on how do you be an account manager? How do you be a business development manager? What's your role as a sales leader? Where does coaching come into that? And how does that play? What is this art of selling and the sales process? What is the psychology behind it? So we built all of that into it. But when COVID came, because of the master's program, I was able to see, you know, and the change emphasis on it, I was able to see that there is a massive change uh, shift that has to happen. And so for the first time ever, we brought our digital marketing teams and our account managers together and we put them in the same virtual workshop room and we said, we need to break the gap between digital marketing and selling. And it was a humongous breakthrough just to break through the, the barrier. You know, when I sit on the, the, the corporate revenue meetings and I hear the digital marketing teams talk about SEO search and analytics and Google this and I'm like, what? You know, likewise, when we're speaking from a sales platform, they're like, why don't you just tell the customers, the B2B customers to just do what we want them to do? Well, it doesn't work that way. So we brought them together and we created a whole new digital academy module on what is digital marketing so that our account managers, A, could learn the language and B, so that we could help our business uh, customers to be able to transform their own uh, businesses through COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Got you. Uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, 
just just coming back to this scared so what model you know there's, there's an awful lot of change models around so so why this you know what what is this doing that or these two models doing that the others don't yeah, you know, and I go back to when it when uh, what was the spark that helped me to create it, and that was during the master's program, module four. We were taught um, and introduced to all of the major change models that exist. You know, uh, could be Connors, could be McKenzie's, could be you know the SAR curve uh, from you know Dr. Elizabeth Cooper Ross, um, or so I thought it was from her, but I learned <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> You know, and then to your own research, you know, do 70% of change management uh, efforts fail, you know, back to Cotter, your research that you've done. So we looked at all these models and they just were not sitting with me. Um, you know, they if, if I generalize them, they all come through and say, you're going to go through some sort of a scenario, but eventually you'll get it and, and you'll be fine and the change will happen. And I said, that's just wrong. We're human beings. Where's the personal element? And I asked my professor, raised my hand in front of our whole class. I had no fear of looking stupid, but I just said, I don't get this. And I said, I'm a human being and I can reject this change, but these models don't reflect that. What happens then? And as a sales leader, don't I want to know if my employees reject the change that I'm implementing for them? They're like, good point. And they said, but these are, these are the models. And I said, but I don't agree with them. And, I, and they said, well, Grant, and I said, where's the book that tells the individual how to manage personal change? Because there's organizational change, which most of these are aligned to and attributed to, but, but it's personal to me. Where is that? And they said, Grant, you may have to create it. And we, that sparked a whole new conversation with the rest of the class and spark, or excuse me, the scared so what was born that day. Interesting, really interesting. I particularly like the, the the thinking around this idea that the assumption that a lot of change models do that that the process is going to happen regardless of what you do, regardless you know no matter whether you you know you know whether you resist it, whether you go with it, whether you go and focus on something else. It seems to suggest that the thing's just going to happen anyway. Yeah. And, and, and I just I called the the flag on that when I said that just yeah. doesn't sit well with me. And you think of how many employees and people around the world, you know, Scared So What has much further legs than just uh, the sales force. Um, it actually, during our research, it expands the entire span of, of business, people. It's all about personal, right? Being personal. So yep. um, you think of how many people who reject change at work, how many, how many of your employees are not on board with your decisions? And the change that, but you're using the ad cart, you're using the McKinney's, you're using all of these models. They forecast that you're going to be fine. But if you don't ask those questions that Scared So What offers, you're going to be missing the personal side of it. Yeah. So the, 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 obviously, you know, the, the biggest word that we've got here is scared. And so, so, what, so what emotions do you see as being like kind of associated with change for people? Yeah. Well, the, the good thing is, is as, as I was developing it, you know, that day, and I, I had the benefit of having such wonderful professors that kept feeding me in that conversation. Go on. Tell me more. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And I, I looked at, you know, well, what is fear of change? And there's actually a term for it, for it called metathesophobia. 
the fear of change. But I also said, well, wait a minute, shouldn't it have different elements of what about positive change? There's still fear associated with that, right? Think of like if you're getting married or you get a new house or a new car, what happens? You get excited, you get nervous, you get anxious, you stress out, right? Well, that's all energy, you know, surrounds around energy points. Um, And you don't have to be scared to use the model. What I am saying is that embrace your fears and start to think about it. And that's where scared so what comes through. It's two models together, as you rightfully said. Um, But the research said you can't really have one without the other. Yes. And I I, I think it's important just to pick up on this idea that uh, is that we're kind of a bag of emotions, uh, uh, particularly in change situations. So we can be both positive, you know, yeah. really looking forward to something and excited, but also uncertain about what this is going to bring about and still have, even though we may not experience it as fear, but have concerns and have anxieties about it at the same time. Exactly. And that's where I'm trying to, if I looked at and researched metathesophobia and the fear of change and what those feelings, if you look Look at uh, the the emotions that come with a negative change uh, impact connotation. You can almost mirror them with a positive change scenario because um, it still is stressful. It still is anxiety. It's exactly like you said. So in real reality, it's all the same emotions. It just you're going through something that you need to try to embrace and most people don't know how because we haven't Mm. been taught especially early on we haven't been taught how to deal with change um if you think of uh, my environment where i grew up in the midwest it was just deal with it you know be a man just deal with it okay well what does that mean our bodies were obviously built and the chemistry of the uniqueness of, of our flesh and our minds has you know has us react to certain stimuli right and so it's, I think it's just absurd to say, go against what your body is telling you to do. Yes. I'm actually telling you to embrace it. Yeah. Which brings us on to the, the and you've, you've already mentioned this, you know, in the studies you talk about energy states, and this is pretty unusual for models of this nature that involve kind of change or change and emotion, the ones that do. Um, Can you just explain a little bit more about this and why you're so interested in energy states and why you see that that is important? Absolutely. Well, if you think about it again, if I go back to organizational change, and again, these are wonderful models designed by many people who are much, uh, much smarter than I am. So I give them uh, great appreciation for what they've done. But again, a lot of them are very um, predicative that you're going to accept it. And I just don't, I didn't understand that. And I didn't believe that to be true. So I said, if you look at change, personal change, there is positive energy, there's neutral energy, and there's negative energy. And depending on the change scenario and how it impacts you personally, um, you will decide, um, but you also could be in control of that journey if you were able to think it through. Something could start out negative, but if you applied some of the steps in the scared process to understand what's happening to you, if you collect more actions, if you collect more energy and explore more options, you could, through your own power of understanding what's happening to you, turn that into a positive experience. So those elements of energy were incredibly important to me in designing this because 
it encapsulates what the human body and human mind actually does. And so I didn't want a model that was predictive. I didn't want a, a model that was prescribing, saying you're going to feel this or this. You know, and I actually did research. I connected with um, Ken Ross, who is the son of Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, uh, the late doctor who invented uh, the change curve. And he told me, he said, Grant, um, she didn't invent the SARA curve. She flat out didn't. Um, she actually had 13 steps in her change curve model, but it was too much for people to uh, absorb. And she actually wanted to just facilitate a conversation. So someone somewhere along the way took her model and just changed it themselves and business incorporation. They don't know who, but he actually said she was the most anti-business woman you ever would imagine. She just wanted to facilitate conversations. He bought her three personal computers and she refused and used a typewriter. So there you go. That's the pure example of why I invented Scared So What? Because I wanted to encompass positive, negative, and neutral energies and the ability to choose for yourself about change. The other models don't allow for that. Yeah, I th- and I think that's I think that's a, a, a really important point. Okay, so l- let's have a look at the first part of the model, the scared part. Um, okay. So, um, why pick on the the acronym scared, and what does it stand for? Absolutely. So, I think I shared a little bit earlier. You know, uh, what I'm trying to do is say it's okay for you to embrace your fears, regardless of the energy spectrum. You know, again, getting married, that's positive, but you're still, oh, there's fear associated with that positive fear. Um, But I'm trying to say to you, throw out the old rule of just deal with it and start to understand what's happening to you. And so if we're going to do that, then let's just talk about it. Okay, I'm scared. What does it mean? And that's a way of understanding, you know, how to deal with it, how to get into it. If I broke it down, the interactions of what happens during that process of a personal change, there's an element of surprise. And then this is where this model is very different. It splits based on the energy spectrum. If I go positive, the C is championing. Do I champion this change that's happening? If I go negative, am I conflicted about it? So again, I'm in control, but my first instincts are to rate. And that's where I've invented the, um, the scared quiz. So you could answer a series of questions and see exactly visually where you are in your own change process. At the heart of change is an action. An action needs to happen in order for a change to be embraced or rejected or whatever. And so actions is is at at the center point. If I do some sort of an action or if actions are happening around me, I can influence the change that's happening to me or I can change it altogether. The R is, um, again, are you receptive on a positive or are you rejective on a negative? The other models don't include that. And either one is fine. It's your personal journey. But I wanted to include all elements of the energy spectrum. The E stands for explore. Once you're going through this journey, are you exploring other options and opportunities? Are you looking at other uh, factors and scenarios to help you with the change? Um, Have you explored or have you not? If you haven't, then you might want to go and influence some other actions. And then again, the D stands for decision. On the positive side, have I made a favorable decision about it? You know, do I feel good about this change or not? I need to know that. And then on the bottom negative side is, yeah, I've made a decision. This ain't happening. Um, So 
Um, it's I'm just not going to deal with it. And as an employer, as a leader of salespeople, I want to know that. I want to know if my people are are, are following me, um, or if they're just going through the motions. Um, so that was critically important. Um, and there's also a third element in the D called indecision, where people just do not have the information. They haven't done any actions at all. Usually this is what you'll find. If they do the scared quiz, you'll find the A and the E will be very red. They haven't done anything. And if they simply go back and do some actions like asking questions, gaining information, you again, you can take control of your own personal journey. So that's understanding what the change is about you and what's happening to you. And by seeing that in a visual synopsis through the scared survey, um, then you can make changes to it. Okay, I know where I know the roadmap of where I need to go. It's not linear. You don't have to use every single thing and every single step because our minds are not linear. So I didn't want to build a model that said you have to follow A to Z. And that's exactly what Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross tried to do. But everybody uh, came to and said, yeah, look what you made. Lydia <laughs> model. So, yeah. And Ken, and Ken Ross told me, he said, make that very clear in the beginning. This is not linear. Your mind is not linear. Um, we're kind of scattered as human beings, and it's okay to go back and forth and skip things. Yeah, and I, I, I like the fact that you've included indecision in there because I think almost more than any other type of kind of decisional process, as it were, um, people frequently become indecisive when they're faced with change and particularly when they're faced with paradoxical change and they can't quite work out a, a way forward um frequently they sit there and do nothing yeah um, sure and we and see that in organizations that. but with individuals too sorry sorry Colm. yeah you're so right you know we haven't been taught how to deal with change and you know in most times since we don't know we just sit there and we worry about it we stress about it and the change becomes we delay it we detract it mm. um or we walk away from it and what Scared So What is doing is saying, it's okay. Your body is reacting a certain way. I just want you to follow your natural instincts. But here's a template to help you think it through and talk to yourself. Talk out loud about it. Um, does that make sense? It does because it helps you understand what's going on because quite often we're the victims of our emotions and our feelings that are kind of occurring particularly in change situations and particularly if they're rapid change situations that are that it's it's some kind of turmoil where you can feel positive one minute and negative the next minute and yeah. quite often people don't have the tools to be able to unpack that to understand what's what's happening to them and and this is one of the things that I like about uh, I like about this model is it enables well it, it, it gives people a language and also a a, a, a kind of a structured approach to working through what's going on for them. Um, yeah, and, and psychologically, it ties it right to fear. And yeah. we're giving you permission to say, it's okay to talk about it. Mm. Yes, definitely. And and having that language and having that, um, I suppose, uh, uh, framework allows for a conversation, not just with yourself, but with others within a department or an organization as well. Absolutely. Okay. So let's just move on to the second part, the, the so what bit, which which sounds like, well, so what? So <laughs> <laughs> can, can you just kind of guide us through the components of this and, and how it works? 
yeah. You know, uh, I thought when I first built it, um, you know, you know, I thought that uh, scared was was just fine. But then I sat there with my professors and I said to the other models, OK, so you say I'm going to accept it. So what does that mean? And I kept coming back to so what? So what? And so when I built scared, um, my professor looked at me and he went, so what does that mean? And I went, you're right. <laughs> no, none of the models have ever answered that question. So what? What do I do now? You know, or what does this mean for me? So I, I, I focused on that. And what is your so what? Simon Sinek is uh, a, a great illustrator of finding your why. And finding out, you know, your your why and also the what, et cetera. And I learned through the master's program, there's the what, there's the so what, and there's the now what. So it all comes through from an academic's point of view that people need a roadmap for what do they do next. So I looked at it and I said, okay, great. If I under if I can get past the decision point, regardless if it's positive, neutral, indecision, or net or, or, or negative you as a human being are going to make a decision about a personal change scenario. Your so what is this? What is your strategy? What options do you have to support your strategy? Do you have a way forward? More of a sounding point, right? Yeah, I do, or no, I don't. Maybe I need to talk with some other people about my strategy and my options. And then the H is, do you have hope or do you know how you're going to execute your strategy? Okay. And, and that's a normal, again, this is all personal, right? So if I don't have a good hope or a good feeling about this, or I don't know how I'm going to do it, I'm going to pause. And then I can either go back and rework on my strategy, or I can take an action and work with others. If I do have a, if I do have a favorable, then I go on to a, what actions will I take to ensure that I execute my plan? And what's really missing is the T how will I ensure that I take ownership to execute my own plan? And so, so what becomes that strategy roadmap for yourself um, so that you don't just sit there and go, okay, well, so what now? You actually build it. And so for that, I created a template as well. It's an Excel template at the moment. We're working to get this into an app uh, tool shortly, um, but for now it's Excel. Um, and you'd literally just build it. Uh, the template is there and it just promotes thought, um, helps you to create and jot down. You can take it, it's portable. Uh, you can talk with your supervisors or your friends or your wife or your husband, your partners, whatever, significant other, and, and try to develop your own so what plan. So the two of them throughout my research, um, there, were, uh, there were types of people that are, I just want to get to it that wanted to navigate towards the so what? And then there were types of people that said, well, I wanna understand my why. So I'm, I'm really curious about the scared part about it. Um, but they all came through, every single one of both sides of those types of people said, you've got to use them both together. And I thought that was really interesting from the research and the feedback to say, we do have different styles of managing ourselves. And some people are, you know, just let's get to the point. And some people are like, well, I want to think about it. But for the, all of them to come back 100% to say both must be used together, I thought was really an, impactful. Yeah, and unusual because it's that they value both sides of that is really important, I think. Yeah. So can you give us a, 
an example of the use of the full model in practice? You know, how, how can this actually be used? Well, how about I give you a real example of what happened to me? Um, it's funny. Uh, I've used Scared So What many times myself, and I created it. Um, but um, just last year during the pandemic, um, we had to shut down some of our offices and unfortunately reduce a lot of staff, as many corporations around the world have had to do. And so I was living in Barcelona, Spain with my husband, and um, I facilitated that change. Uh, I used Scared So What for all of the employees across Europe, Middle East, and Africa to help them get through their emotions. And it was, it was wonderful because they were able to come to a decision much faster and move on to their So What strategy, building their own So What plans. And then the last day came and we shut down the office and the move, I we were moving back to Miami. And that's when I realized, oh no, I'm done. I'm moving. Honey, we're, we're, we're going to Miami, back to America, and I could lose my job tomorrow. There's no, there's no job protections there. So on the plane, um, literally on the plane, as this is designed to do, um, Claudio, my husband, he said, well, use your model, Grant. You built it. Use it on yourself. Are you scared? And so what are you going to do? And I literally pulled out the napkin from the flight attendant, and I wrote, okay, I just wrote down the elements. And I, I made my so what strategy on that airplane of what I was going to do and how I was going to sell my job to my leaders so that I could remain uh, contributing to the business and expand our program globally. Um, so, you know, even for myself, uh, I find that I often use it many times, but regardless of the impact, I've even had um, parents who have come back to me and say, Grant, we're using Scare What, so what for our kids? I said, well, I didn't even think about that. I used it for sales and for sales leaders and you know, for our employees. Um, how are you doing that? And they say, well, we're giving it to them as a framework and they're younger, so they don't have as many mm, obstructions or you know, uh, reservations, yes. you know, right, reservations about using it. And it's, it's much easier for them and they're actually combating their own elements of change by using it. And I thought, well, there you go. Because, you know, again, nobody's taught us how to manage personal change. So maybe this can help people. That's really cool. That's really cool. Can you, so one of the questions that I'm interested in here is, you know, it, it appears to me that this is a really useful tool for coaches to use with mm. with people and and it sounds like that's what you were doing with your people coaching them through this is that the case yes uh, and it's interesting you, you you say that because in my research you know i built the model in the master's program and i uh you know a higher higher power higher vision whatever it may be but um covid19 hitting you know we literally had probably 400 plus employees that we had to go through these changes. Um, and as I had built it, I had involved so many of the sales leadership and the general management leadership in our company um, who were all involved in these changes as well. Human resources came to me and said, Grant, will you start using this in a broader spectrum for all of the employees? Um, can you start doing presentations? Because we, we believe in it. And it just turned that I became a coach and I became teaching the other sales leaders and the other leaders how to coach their own people through the change using the model. 
So then all of a sudden, without me realizing it, uh, we had so many other leaders who were saying, are you scared? Have you made, you know, are you surprised? Are you conflicted? What actions are you doing? And they were walking people through the model. And it was brilliant because you could get an employee or a person through the fear of the change faster because they were able to think about it and see it and talk it through uh, in a model that applied to them because it was it's designed to be personal. But what's most important is, is that the people instantly were able to get on to their own so what? And they were telling us, I need help with resumes. I need help with um, job interviews. I need help with application processes. I need help with this, but I also need to still do my job. And we thought, that's amazing. If you look at so many people who are about ready to lose their jobs over the next few months, they're handling this incredibly well. And I think it's because they were able to get past the fear of the personal change that was hitting them. So it did lead to that. And as I continued my research and interviewing sales leaders and people across Europe, Middle East and Africa doing it, um, everybody had come, well, I can't say everybody, but if I look at the research and the data um, of the surveys, there was a large percentage, about 70, 75% of people who came back and said, this could be a great coaching tool. Um, and it's very easy to use. And then I finished out the master's degree and I continued um, it on and asking sales leaders and doctors and, and uh, academics, what is this notion about using it for coachability? And I started connecting with actual coaches, uh, certified coaches throughout industry. And they, they very easily came through and said, well, all I have to do is use the model and ask an open-ended question and listen. All I'm doing is facilitating the conversation. Are you surprised? Are you conflicted? Uh, What actions have you done? Are you rejective or receptive? You know, okay, so what's your strategy? Do you have a strategy? Do you have some options? What's your way forward? So as a coach, you know, just like the grow models and all of the other models it has, this one is actually ties to you personally. So for a, a coaching tool, it's not just something that's prescribed. It actually identifies with you. So it's been very favourable. Um. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm not surprised. And I think this the this, this story that you've told about being on the aeroplane on, on the way back to the States and uh, and you being conflicted and having that ah moment yeah. and then using it, what, ca- what came across to me was, uh, from that and the other examples that you've given is how out of the end of the process it gives people a place to go to yeah and and i got that sense of excitement as a result of that and yeah well it gives you clarity you know and if you think of personal change today many people are just like okay well so what does it mean or or they don't talk about it you know they just stress and worry about it if you can get yourself through that personal anxiety that angst or that situation regardless if it's positive or negative you're still feeling those actions but if you have a way to think it through or talk to yourself or invite others into the journey then you get through it faster right versus just lingering the so what is the icing on the cake um the so what is your own plan and if you think of it as a sales leader or business leader not just sales this has much broader connotation than I ever imagined. But really, if you're a human being, you can use the model, um, regardless uh, of what you do, work, personal, or whatever situation. Um, 
And I've even found through change management leaders that I'm working with that uh, I, I do support organizational change models, but they're also coming through and saying, Grant, what we believe is scared so what needs to be used first. When we introduce a change at work, we need to focus on what the personal side of it is. And if we can get them through understanding the change and get them to a favorable decision and building their own so what together, then we come through with the organizational change model and put that on top. Right, now that everybody's on board, or you two are not, let's have some further actions and some further discussions because we want to get people on board. You know, and as a leader, I want to know if my people are on board with me or not. Um, yeah. And this is a way of, of helping us to get through that. You know, and if you think of change with salespeople, how many times in a sales profession do you get rejected every day by clients and customers? That hurts. And that's change, right? How are you going to change your style, your pitch, your navigation? And so change is a constant variable with sales and the profession of sales. So you can use this as well. Brilliant. Great. So in terms of coping with personal change, which given where we are in the middle of a global COVID pandemic, um, this is particularly pertinent. So what three pieces of it, sorry to cut you down to three, but hey, that's the name of the game. Uh, What three pieces of advice would you give to people who are faced with what for many people is massive levels of personal change right now? Yeah, I would say number one, um, you need to learn to minimize the fear of change, you know, and, and people, people throw out so often, don't be scared. Well, that's just not true. Of course, your, your body was designed for a reason. So I reject that. And I say, be scared, but just be smart enough to, to talk it through. So I, I would say number one is that try to minimize the fear from change by actually thinking it through and using the scared model. Take the scared quiz, you know, and just see where you are. The beauty of that is it's just with you. Nobody else has to see it. It's your results. And it will change every time you take it because you've you've gained and you've garnered new information. Um, the second thing would be to utilize the scared process. You know, if you use it as a way to have that conversation with yourself, it's okay to talk to yourself probably the best, most important conversation you're ever going to have. And the most attentive conversation you'll have is with yourself. And what I'm saying and suggesting here is, is you combat your fears, anxieties, excitements, or nervousness, and you think it through this way, you're going to come out more in control. And once you're there, the third piece of advice I will say is make sure you develop your so what. Whatever you do as a result of change It's personal and it's yours and it's your own so what. And you can do that by using the template. You can do that just by jotting it down on a napkin on an airplane or wherever you are. You don't have to use the tools. Once you understand what scared so what means, it becomes ingrained in your mind that you could just do it in conversation. And that's the relevance of it. Okay, a personal change situation is happening. You're scared. So what are you going to do? talk it through lovely lovely really nice so uh, this is, i've really enjoyed this um so where can people contact you if they want to grant absolutely um I, you can contact me on linkedin 
I love connections. I, I use LinkedIn very heavily. So just look me up, Grant Ben Ulbrich on LinkedIn. And you can also email me directly at grant at scaredsowhat.com. Um, I've got the website address with all of our information. Um, there's YouTube videos, Facebook and Instagram. And what's really important is I don't want to make any money off of this. So it's free to the world. So when I say that, the model is on scaredsowhat.com and it's 100% available and free to you no matter who you are, wherever you are around the world. If I can help one person to navigate and learn how to manage personal change, then maybe I've done something worthwhile. Um, and so that's why many people are saying, Grant, you're a fool for that. But, you know, there's 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 a higher reward than 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 money. And so I just want people to be able to to help themselves. Perfect. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for so much. And I'll put all the links in the in the podcast notes, uh, the link to your websites, the videos. Um, we'll do a little piece on the model as well, um, which is lovely. Thank you very much. Um, it's been brilliant talking to you and hearing about the models. Uh, and I think people are going to find them really useful, um, both for themselves, but also coaches and consultants and people like that. And, you know, good luck with your continuing research. Um, obviously, we'll stay in touch through um, the review. And I'll, as I say, I'll put all the links, contacts and everything else in there. That's great. Thank you very much, Grant. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Thank you, David. And you take care and be well. And you take care. Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics, and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-review.com. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. Mm-hmm.